Fly Fishing Internet Radio, your source for learning more about fly fishing in cold water, warm water, and salt water. Hello, I'm Roger Mays, your host for tonight's show. On this broadcast, we'll be featuring Norm Ziegler, and he'll be answering your most important questions on famous fly fishers. This show will be 90 minutes in length, and we are broadcasting live over the Internet. If you'd like to ask Norm a question, just go to our homepage at askaboutflyfishing.com and use that Q&A text box to send us your question. We'll receive your questions immediately, and we'll try to answer as many of them as possible on the show tonight. And while you're there, make sure you sign up to receive our announcements so you don't miss out on any of our future broadcasts. Just fill in your name and email address in the form on our homepage, and we'll let you know when the next show is. The broadcast is being recorded and will be available for playback on our website in about 48 hours after the show ends. If you have to leave early, Return to our website at your convenience and listen to the broadcast at any time. The content of this broadcast is copyrighted and is the property of the Knowledge Group Inc. doing businesses ask about fly fishing. Recordings or transcriptions of this program cannot be distributed or sold in any form. When we return, we'll be talking with Norm Ziegler about famous fly fishers. Baja Fly Fishing Company is dedicated to fulfilling your vacation dreams. And just so there's no mistake, they derive as much pleasure from helping a novice improve as they do fishing with a pro. From the casual to the hardcore, they can match your expectations with their experience and coaching. A vacation with Baja Fly Fishing is more than a fishing trip. It's a full-on Baja experience that you will remember forever. They know the Baja after 40 years of traveling its back roads, kayaking its shoreline, surfing and snorkeling, while pioneering the fly fishing techniques that have evolved into the tactics used today. They are well-versed in fly fishing the beach, in kayaks, on pongas, and are well-versed in all tackle types. Join them in pursuit of roosterfish, dorado, marlin, sailfish, wahoo, jack creval, yellowfin, skipjack, and many other species. Learn more about Baja Fly Fishing Company by visiting their website, bajaflyfish.com. Again, it's bajaflyfish.com. Before we introduce Norm, I'd like to let you know about the great prizes we have to give away tonight. On our drawing tonight, we'll be giving away a one-year membership to the Fly Fishers International and a one-year subscription to Fly Fishing and Tying Journal. So you have two chances to win tonight in our drawing. Now, if you haven't registered yet for the drawing, you can do so now. Just go to our homepage at askaboutflyfishing.com and look for the link under Norm section that says, click here to register for our drawing. Click on that link, fill out the form, and we'll announce the winners at the end of the show. We'll also be giving away a copy of one of Norm's books, Famous Fly Fishers, Snook on the Fly, or Rivers of Shadow, Rivers of Sun. It's your choice. If you're the winner, you can pick which book you'd like to, to receive. So courtesy of Norm Ziegler, of course, and we want to thank him for offering up that prize. So here's how you can win. You must be the first person to answer the question we ask at the end of the show. The question will be about something we talk about during the show, and you must submit your answer along with your name and location in the text box on our homepage. So listen closely and use your best typing skills. Our guest tonight is Norm Ziegler. Norm is an internationally known author and journalist. His most recent book, Famous Fly Fishers, was published in 2017. Snook on a Fly was published in 2006 by Stackpole Books, and his previous book, Rivers of Shadow, Rivers of Sun, a Fly Fishers European Journal, received outstanding reviews from Honolulu to Germany. Norm is one of the foremost fly fishing writers in the United States. Some of the publications in which his work has appeared include the New York Times, Gray Sporting Journal, Fly Fisherman, Fly Rod and Reel, Northwest Fly Fishing, Art of Angling Journal, Sport, Sporting Tales Journal, Florida Sportsman, the FFF Fly Fisher, 
the FFL Quill, and Eastern Fly Fishing and Saltwater Fly Fishing. Norm is a member of Trout Unlimited, the Federation of Fly Fishers, the Outdoor Writers Association of America, and Ducks Unlimited. He speaks and writes fluent German and has a private pilot's license. In November of 1994, he moved with his wife Elizabeth and their two children uh, to Sanibel Island, Florida. Norm and his family now divide their time between Sanibel and Dillon, Montana. Well, Norm, welcome back to Ask About Fly Fishing Internet Radio. Thank you, Roger. It's great to be back. Yeah, we did a show quite a while ago on snook. And um, for those of you that are interested in fishing for snook, especially down in the Sanibel Island way, uh, you want to look up that show in our archive and uh, and check it out. So, um, well, great. Good to have you tonight. And um, I apologize for everybody for canceling out on you the last time, but I was a mess. Um, and I'm... Uh, Coming out of it now after, I don't know, 17 days, something like that, I'm still still fighting a, a little bit of, of this super cold I, I had. So anyway, we should be good to go tonight, and uh, let's get started, Norm. So you wrote this book, and uh, we're going to base the show on, on your book tonight, Famous Fly Fishers, Profiles of Eminent and Accomplished People Who Love the Quiet Sport. So first off, um, you know, why did you write this book? How did it come about? Well, I thought about it for several years, and I was interested in finding out myself and in presenting to other people the wide variety of personalities and professions of the people who love to fly fish. Uh, I mentioned it to most anybody I met, friends, acquaintances, other fly fishers, so forth, Every time I mentioned it, everyone said, well, that sounds like a cool book. I would buy that. And I never got a negative response from anyone. So uh, that's that's why I started to do it. The research involved was more extensive than I thought, as was attempts to contact some of the subjects I wanted to interview. So that's why I say sometimes, this book took me about as long to write as Tolstoy took to write War and Peace. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a lot of people, if, if you've never written a book or even an article, you don't really know how much research is involved, you know. Um, the writing part is usually the easier part, right? <laughs> Especially if you that's, like to write. Yeah, well, I've been a lifelong writer and journalist, so that's not the hard part, although uh, I do buckle down to do it. Yeah. But in this in this case, some of the people I wanted to interview were very very hard to get to, and I had long 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 lists. Some of them I never could get to. But oh. I got to. I did get to interview 21 of some who are now some of my favorite people, and learn an awful lot about them and their lives. Yeah. Yeah, 21, that's quite a few Quite a few interviews in and of itself. And, uh, what was your original list? How long was your original list? Well, the original list was probably about 37, 38. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, I imagine some of these people, and some of the people you did interview, or I don't even know how you, well, well you, you can tell us how you got a hold of them. <laughs> well, <laughs> because uh, that's, uh, as we go through each one, we can kind of talk about them. Um, some, some of the ones I could not get a hold of, was because of the wall between them and the outside world. And yeah. That is 
agents and assistants. Yeah. Yeah, I bet. So if, if there was no, obviously no monetary incentive involved when I would ask if I could interview a person and the agent, especially agents, wouldn't, wouldn't consider it most of the time. Yeah, yeah. There were a few well, that did and I was lucky in that. Yeah, well the, um, so folks, uh, Norm and I discussed out of the 21, obviously we can't talk about all of them, but I kind of kept it a secret as to who we're going to talk about, but uh, I'll let it loose now. Tonight we're going to talk about Larry Zonka. That should be a familiar name. Um, Kevin Richardson might not be familiar, but he's got a very interesting story. And then we've got Bill Ford, uh, yes, the Ford Motor Company, and uh, uh, someone that everybody knows, Dick Cheney, former Vice President of the United States, and then... Um, also, Sandra Day O'Connor, all right, Supreme Court Justice, and uh, and then John Hope Franklin, scholar, civil rights uh, pioneer that, uh, yeah, kind of stood shoulder to shoulder to some of the great people involved in the, the civil rights movement. So we got lots of people to talk about. And um, so let's, um, now, were most of your interviews on the phone or in writing or in person yeah, or? Most of them are on the phone, and uh, for accuracy throughout my writing life, I've always tried to record interviews, and I did in everybody's case here. Okay. You think you can write fast and you can remember things, but there's nothing like having it on tape to be able to be accurate, and so uh, I, yeah. I taped every interview I did. Of course, yeah. Yeah, it makes total sense. Did you find there were any traits, interests, or reasons that, that were common to all the fly fishers as to why they were involved in fly fishing? Well, the main one was love of the outdoors. Mm -hmm. And the love of the outdoors in an active sense. A lot of fly fishermen are hunters, some are skiers, uh, hikers, campers, and that's the main connection I found with the, the people because they had such a, a wide diversity of professions. Their life philosophies vary widely. Their politics vary even more widely. Mm -hmm. But love of the outdoors connected everybody. And Can the I fact, go ahead. I'm sorry. The fact that fly fishing takes us to some of the most beautiful places, that was right up there in most people's minds. And I imagine just um, in getting away from their intense lives, you know, and many of them very public lives, uh, and just getting away to have a little alone time, I imagine, was was uh, a, a comforting thing for, for most all of them as well. Huh? That's right. Uh, most of the famous people had that in common also. Uh, they needed some downtime. And I think all of us who go fly fishing need that downtime where you're not thinking about finances or family troubles or politics. Everything fades into the background and you're focusing on casting to that fish and trying to get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, good. Well, um, let's see here. Let's start with um, 
you know, just from the beginning here, let's talk about uh, Larry Zonka. Tell us well, a bit about Larry. If uh, Now, most of the people our age know who he is by without question. Maybe some of the younger people aren't so familiar, but... Yeah, they might not be so familiar, but Larry Zonka is one of the greatest football NFL players of all time, and he's in the NFL Hall of Fame, and he was one of the main reasons the 1972 Miami Dolphins finished with an undefeated season and won the Super Bowl, and just a really hard-nosed, hard-hitting fullback who loved to play the the game and love of the contact sport. He uh, grew up in the Midwest, and he had a typical American boy's life of fishing with a cane pole and a worm and and hunting for birds. And uh, the football took him to Syracuse University, and up there he found some great fishing, and he developed his fly fishing techniques there uh, and rode them from there. I think many people have seen his show that used to be on TV, Larry Zonka's Alaska. He happens to be an Alaska native now. Oh, he is. Although he spends time in the winter down here in Florida. Yeah, I mean he's an Alaska resident, but he spends a lot of time in Florida in the winter. And he was just a joy to interview because talking to him is like talking around a campfire. Mm-hmm. There's, there's nothing fake about Larry, and he's very modest, uh, too modest, I think, joking about hooking himself in the ear, and he doesn't, wouldn't need to get his ears pierced if he wanted to put an earring in and so forth. But he's a darn good fly fisher, and he loves especially fishing in Alaska for salmon, for rainbow trout, for Dolly Varden. Uh, and when he's down in Florida here, it's snook, redfish, and sea trout, which are oh. my favorites. Yeah, right in your backyard there, right? Yeah. yeah, and he just puts people at ease, anybody who can talk to, to Larry, I would think, and uh, there's no pretense about him. Well, how did you find out about that he was a fly fisher? Uh, I mean, what put him on your list? You know, uh, I heard a rumor, and so I tried tried to track down the rumor, and eventually I came up, yes, he was a fly fisher, and uh, although he had, you know, been a spin fisherman as a kid, as, like many of us had, mm-hmm. and I think he's one of the best some of his shows I watched, he's he's awfully good, especially with big fish. He would double dip sometimes on his show. He'd be big game hunting, but he had a fly rod and a backpack on his back. And if they got to a stream where the fishing was good, they'd take time off from the hunting to go fishing. You can do that in Alaska, that's for sure. <laughs> You've got everything yeah. around you, you know. Yeah. What was the most interesting thing? about him, you know, and talking to him? Well, I think his total lack of pretense. Here's a guy who's world famous and one of the best running backs of all time, and he just acts like he's the next guy sitting on the bar stool next to you and talks 
in a very offhand and informal manner. Mm. That's what I like best about him. Yeah, yeah, interesting, yeah. Well, good. Um, let's take a quick break here, and then we'll come back, and we'll uh, we'll pick another one <laughs> from the stack here, so to speak. Okay. And uh, dig into to them a, a bit as well. So hang tight. We'll be right back. Looking for that shot at permit? Whipray Key Fishing Lodge in Belize is where you want to be. When you stay at Whipray Key Fishing Lodge, you're on a private island and are only minutes away from some of the finest permit fishing in Belize. Whipray Key is just a 30-minute boat ride from Placencia. Once you're there, you'll be fishing Permit Alley, one of Belize's best fisheries, and you won't be taking long boat rides to get started. You'll fish with world-class guides like Daniel Cabral, whose family has fished the area for over 30 years. Want to switch it up and fish for tarpon and bonefish and make it a grand slam? They can make it happen at Whipray Key Fishing Lodge. Book your next adventure now. Visit WhipRayKeyFishingLodge.com. And that's Whipray and then C-A-Y-E FishingLodge.com. You're listening to Ask About Fly Fishing Internet Radio. We're talking with Norm Ziegler about famous fly fishers. If you'd like to ask Norm a question, just go to our homepage at AskAboutFlyFishing.com and use that Q&A text box to send us your question. Receive your question immediately. We'll try to answer as many of them as possible on the show tonight. Norm, I always ask my guests, um, you know, at this point in the show, you know, what, what's going on in your fly fishing world? Tell, tell people about what you do down there in Sanibel. It's kind of a unique fishery. Yeah, it's a very unique fishery. Uh, Sanibel Island is 12 miles long, and it's one of the world's great saltwater fly fishing destinations. Now, I happen to be fortunate enough to a number of years ago, have started a fly shop here called Norm Ziegler's Fly Shop, and that's normziegler'sflyshop.com. So I cater to the needs of everybody. We have something here that doesn't occur in too many places, and that is excellent fishing from shore. Our iconic fish here is the snook, which I also wrote a book about because they're my favorite saltwater fish. And they fight as hard as a striped bass, and they jump like a steelhead, and they're a five-minute walk from my house in the wow. summertime along the beaches. So uh, I lived overseas, 50, lived and worked overseas 15 years. And while I was there, many people took me to their favorite and so-called secret spots. So I do not believe in secret spots. When I'm in my fly shop and a customer comes into my fly shop, there will be no such thing as a secret spot. <laughs> if I know where the fish are, and I usually have a pretty good idea, I will tell the people. And I'll give them all the help I can as far as advice on uh, equipment, what, the, what are the best flies to use, where they need to go to catch the fish, and for them to have their best experience. And that gives me... That gives me great pleasure to help people in that way. Yeah, yeah, nice. That's nice of you, yeah. Now, I try to do a lot of fishing myself, too, so I'm fishing maybe two to three days a week in the winter, and in the summer might be three or four days a week, and really every chance I can get. I'm as hooked on fly fishing as anyone, and uh, once in a while I'll have a friend down, take him or her to the beach, and... They're pretty astounded at the quality of the fishing here. And that the fact that we can fish 
from shore, and I do 90% of my fishing from shore or wading in the shallows, is the exact opposite of what it is in the Keys, because most places in the Keys, you're helpless without a boat. Right, right. To get, to get to the best fishing. That, that is not the case here. And you got beautiful beaches there. My God. We, yeah. we have 12 miles of beautiful beaches, and the beaches are all public. Anyone can use them and fly fish from them, and uh, you can even walk your dog. And there aren't many beaches in Florida that allow you to walk your dog on the beach. Oh wow! Yeah. Well, great. Why don't you share your um, your website address so that people can uh, get in contact with you if you want to head down your way? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That that's normzieglersflyshop.com. And that's all Ziegler is yeah. Yes, that's correct. It's spelled Z-E-I. About half the time people misspell it, but that's understandable. Is that pronounced the same way? They, I mean, I've seen it spelled I-E, but is it? Well, you, you see it both ways all over the country, and sometimes you even see it just Z-I. Oh, yeah. It depends, yeah. depends on when, when your ancestors came to Ellis Island and, and <laughs> yeah. how, the, how the officials could spell or yeah. some both. Uh, anglicize their names a little bit and yeah yeah so norm norm ziggler's fly fishing norm ziggler's fly shop dot com no, fly shop sorry norm, norm ziggler's fly shop dot com okay great yeah, it's got a my website is not intended mainly as a sales push it's to give people information on this area and how to catch fish here so it's got a lot of good, useful information, and if people are thinking of coming here, oftentimes have found me online and learned a lot of things before they ever contact me or come here, mm-hmm. which is a good thing. And you know, the one thing about Sanibel is that's a really family-friendly area, you know? I mean, if your family wants to go looking for shells, roam the beaches, go to the reserves around there, I mean, it's... It's uh, plenty of things for the family to do if they don't want to fish. Yeah, that's right. That's not the case of every great fly fishing destination. No. Sometimes no. you wouldn't even want to take your family to some of the places. Yeah. But here, yeah, there are many family things to do. The island has a movie theater, and there are playgrounds for the kids, and yeah. a recreation yeah. center with everything from a basketball court to a, a weight gym and so forth and a swimming pool, so... Yeah, yeah that's great. Great, great family place. Yep, good. Well, everybody, stop in, see Norm down there if you're down that way, and uh, I'm sure he'll help you out or guide you or whatever you'd like down there. So uh, check him out. Well, we did get a couple of questions in on the internet here, um, Norm. The um, well, this one's specific about the snook, uh, and these are all from Phil in uh, Kentucky. He wants to know if the population of snook rebounded in the Sandal Bell Island. I didn't know that there was it needed to rebound, but do you want to fill people in on that one way or the yes, other? Yes, it did. In the winter of uh, 2009 and 10, we had a terrible cold snap that lasted four or five weeks, and it killed 300,000 snook in wow. in southwest Florida here. Now, before the fish kill that year, the uh, wildlife people here estimated that we had 1.5 million snook in southwest Florida, so we lost 300,000. And uh, just to point out the difference, on the east coast of Florida, 
their total population is only 300,000. Wow. But the Snook have bounced back tremendously. Fortunately, they were smart enough to close the, the killing seasons on Snook for three years. And I've been here 23 years. We have now more Snook here than I have seen in my 23 years. I mean, they are everywhere. And that doesn't mean seeing them know that you're going to catch them. You have to use the right flies and be very stealthy. They are one of the world's most challenging game fish. Wow. Good, good. Um, another question from Phil. He says, are the famous uh, people you wrote about typically open to learning from folks who have local knowledge about fishing to share? Yes, and I found all of these folks to be curious when they go to new places and to listen to the local people who have the knowledge uh, so they can have better fishing. There's, there's no ego in that way among all the 21 people that I interviewed. They were all open to learning new things, and uh, that's a good thing. We should all be that way. Yeah, yeah. And we'll get into that. Phil want to know, did the people you've interviewed limit themselves to a particular species? We'll, we'll address that as we go through each one. Um, and then he wanted to know, uh, did you, were you able to fish with any of the people you interviewed? And if so, which ones? No, not yet. Uh, <laughs> not I've talked yet. to a lot of them who would like to come here and fish or have me fish with them. And originally I, I thought maybe with the book, I would try to fish with every one of them, but I think I would have had to take out an equity line on my home to pay for the travel. To, <laughs> yeah. The 21 people all yeah. scattered across the whole country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Well, let's talk about uh, the next one on our list, which is uh, I've got here Kevin Richardson. Uh, yeah. Tell us Kevin, about Kevin. He's an interesting character. <laughs> he's a very interesting interesting character. He lives in South Africa and he's called the Lion Whisperer because he has raised lions and rescued lions and slept with lions and cuddled with lions and uh, he's never had an incident where a lion did any harm to him. He's, he's a big activist in lion conservation in Southern Africa and in uh, making sure that the big cats don't go away. And he just loved them. There are pictures of him, and I think I've got one on the cover of my book, of him cuddling with a giant giant male lion. And the lion looks like it's, uh, it's my kitty cat in bed with me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he's, he's also an avid fly fisher, and uh, started out like a lot of us fishing in what they caught down there. They call them, call them dams. It's reservoirs and fishing with bait. And he, he, he met a man who said, why are, you, why are you wasting your time that way? Why don't you learn fly fishing? He did learn fly fishing. And that's the only kind of fishing he does now. It happens to be that in South Africa there is some pretty darn good fly fishing because they were at one time part of the British Empire and almost every place the British Empire went, they took trout with them. And 
so child populations got established in in South Africa very well, as they did in places like Kashmir and Afghanistan and uh, Tasmania, parts of Australia, because the British brought them and put them, and they became indigenous to the streams and the lakes there. Just uh, as an aside, I, I, one of the other people I interviewed was Patrick Hemingway, uh, Ernest Hemingway's middle son. And he lived in Africa for more than 20 years and actually fished for trout in a stream on Mount Kilimanjaro. Hmm. So that's Yeah, I wouldn't even have thought of trout down there, you know. No, no, but trout are far far and wide afield now and thank, thanks to the British Empire. Yeah, yeah. Now how did you find out about him and get a hold of him? You know, my daughter read an article in a magazine, and she called me and she said, I heard about this cool guy who loves to fly fish, and he also uh, sleeps with lions. <laughs> so I did some research. <laughs> that got your on. attention, huh? <laughs> that got, really got my attention, yes. And he doesn't do it for the fun of it. He does it to have a close relationship with the lions and to, uh, if he's if he, rescues an injured lion, it's to help them recover, and he has a, an international foundation which uh, its main job is to save the lion population. So that, i got to give my daughter credit for giving me the tip about Kevin, the lion whisperer. Yeah. Now, did um, so he does most of his fishing then in South Africa? Is that... Uh Yes, he does. Yes, he does. And primarily for trout? Yeah, he's mainly a trout fisherman, yes. He doesn't do any saltwater fly fishing, uh, but he certainly could. They've got lots of saltwater fly fishing in South Africa, but no, he likes the trout fishing. He loves it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And sometimes yeah. he'll associate it with, he, he will travel to some of the other surrounding countries to help help them save their lions and come up with policies, and he'll usually take a fly rod with him and fish for trout somewhere if there's a nearby place. Yeah, like so many of us like to do. <laughs> Absolutely. Never go anywhere without a fly rod, right? Yeah, I've got a friend who, who does training all over the country, and he always books an extra day on the front end or the back end of his trips to wherever he's going because he says there's always fish. No matter where I go, there's fish. <laughs> well, that's uh, that's the truth, yeah. It's yeah. Been, 20 minutes or a half an hour, it's true, really, all over the U.S. and all over Europe, yeah. Yeah, and it's, uh, we did a show recently about fishing for carp in Denver. And, um, I mean, literally downtown, you, you can catch, you know, 20, 30-pound carp. Um, yeah, I had a friend who did that, yes. Yeah, so, um, you know, that's, that's probably that way in a lot of cities, that uh, right under your nose is, a, is an excellent fishery. So, yeah, that's cool. So, um, I mean... Obviously, an interesting thing about this guy is he's, he's you know, the lion whisperer. But uh, anything else personally when you, you're talking to him that kind of, um, you know, was was interesting beyond that? Well, uh, I just think the fact that he's dedicated his life to wildlife, lions mainly, but also all African wildlife and all world wildlife, plus being an avid fly fisherman, 
and like most of us, he's all catch and release and follows Lee Wolf's advice that a game fish is too valuable to catch only once. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's, yeah, I know. That's part of it's his whole, whole conservation outlook. Yeah, his attitude towards that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, very interesting, very interesting. Well, let's look at... Um, Anything else you want to say about him before we, we, we move on here to another one? I would say go to his website online, uh, Google him, Kevin Richardson, the Lion Whisperer, and, and read up Check about him. If yeah. you want to contribute to his uh, projects, it's, it's very worthwhile. We all want there still to be wild lions out there for our grandkids to see. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'd like to go there someday and see them. I uh, haven't been able to do that yet, but it's one of, one of those things on the bucket list, you know. Yes, <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, let's talk about Bill Ford from Ford Motor Company. So um, tell us a bit about Bill. Well, Bill Ford, he could have rested on his laurels and had a substantial salary and never done much of any hard work in his life, but he did just the opposite. He studied hard. He played hard. He's a he's a uh, was a very good hockey player in college, and uh, he he's got a an MBA. And he throughout his life has also focused on conservation, and that started in his early years fishing in the family's camp on a stream in Upper Michigan. So he tried to carry over the conservation ethic to the auto industry, create more efficient cars that wouldn't burn so much fuel, and uh, subsequently produce less pollution and better air to breathe for all of us. Mm-hmm. He also is a very down-to-earth guy and very enjoyable to talk to. And uh, fly fishing is his, his true great love. He has fished all over the world, as you might imagine, but his favorite fishing is little brook trout streams in northern Michigan. Where he started. <laughs> Where he started, yes. Yeah, interesting. Yes, when he was going to college, he would go up there many a weekend to fly fish for the weekend before going back to school. But he's taken a big hand in in Ford, obviously, and eased them toward more environmentally friendly policies, which has spilled over to the other car companies, too. So we all can be thankful for that, and he can continues his efforts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he's uh, he's about big trout fisherman, but uh, I see here that he also uh, um, peacock bass in the Amazon, bonefish in the Keys, salmon, in Argentina and Alaska. So yeah, he's really been around the globe. He, he sure has, and. Uh, that's some places that are on my bucket list, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and what did you find interesting? Uh, well, how did you get a hold of him? I would have think that he was thought that he would be a, a hard person to get a hold of. Well, you know, you I thought that, that I thought that too, but uh, I called his assistant, and uh, instead of brushing me off, she took down my name and number, and uh, just a day or two later, I got a call from another assistant of his that he would be happy to do an interview about fly fishing, and so it so it went. Um, the How guy, did you find out that he, he liked fly fishing? You know, I can't quite remember that. It's, uh, over the course of the years, I've yeah. read about lots of different celebrities who like it. But um, he's one of the more, more highly accomplished people, I think. Never, never wanted to rest on the laurels of his family name or anything. Went to Princeton and, and MIT. He didn't go to college just to just to coast and party. He yeah. studied and worked hard. And another down to earth guy. Yes, very down to earth. Interesting thing about everyone I interviewed, I would always ask them for a fifteen minute interview, and with Bill Ford as with others, an hour and a half later we were still talking. Wow. <laughs> when you talking, start talking about fishing, huh? <laughs> we're talking about fly fishing. They have a lot to share and since since we have that in common, it's a great way of getting to know someone. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Now he had a mentor up at that little uh family camp up in northern Michigan, a man who Taught him to fly fish studying when he was about five years old, and this man lived into his nineties, and they were very close. So, I think someone who has that kind of relationship is is very fortunate, and Bill Ford does too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice to have those mentors. I still remember the guy that, you know, he was a neighbor father that when I was a teenager taught me how to high flies and I'll never forget him, you know. I mean, those are long-lasting memories uh, that we have. Almost all of us have that kind of memory somewhere. Oh, oh, it is, yeah. Uh, and I think you and I and many other people try to pay it forward. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, that's what this whole show is about, basically. <laughs> so, yeah, 175 right. I mean, I shows later. <laughs> so... Yeah. yeah, I yeah. had people coming into my shop who uh, have just been so intimidated about fly fishing, mm-hmm. seeing it and, and thinking how hard it looks. And uh, I explained to them that I've taught many, many people, never known anyone who couldn't learn it. Mm-hmm. If someone buys an outfit from me, I give them the option of having an hour of fly fishing instruction and they immediately learn how how basically simple it is if you observe a few a few important things. Right, right, right. So but they learn, um, like all of us, they learn the basics, and and then the rest takes a lifetime. Yeah, I was at the fly fishing show in Denver, and um, I have a three-year-old grandson right now, and uh, I was watching one of the guys from Orvis uh, work in one of the little training rods they have now where they have 
little rod with yarn on it and a yes. little stick'em fish you put on the floor, and then they start teaching them. And uh, so I'm going to pick one of those up for my my grandson and start playing around with him with that. I think it's uh, it just shows you how simple it is. Um, so yeah, it really does. Yeah, you get the basic motion from a rod like yeah. that. Yeah. Let's take another quick break, and um, we'll come back, and we'll talk about Sandra Day O'Connor, uh, Supreme Court Justice. So uh, we'll be right back. Watermaster is dedicated to providing their customers with the highest quality inflatables on the market, as well as an unbeatable customer service and product support. They're best known for their signature products, the Watermaster Grizzly, Kodiak, and Bruin rafts. These are what rafts are lightweight, compact, durable, versatile, and safe. And the Watermaster rafts are everything your personal watercraft should be. They have been used by anglers and hunters all over the world for over 15 years, including Dave Whitlock, one of fly fishing's greatest innovators. Dave said, with my Watermaster, I can enjoy more fishing per hour than any other method I have ever tried. After two and a half years of testing 15 models of kickboats, I'm convinced that the Watermaster is the ultimate personal flotation craft for warm and cold water fly fishing. Visit Watermaster today and take a look at their ultimate personal flotation craft. Go to BigSkyInflatables.com. That's BigSkyInflatables.com. You're listening to Ask About Fly Fishing Internet Radio, and we're talking with Norm Ziegler about famous fly fishers. If you'd like to ask Norm a question, just go to our homepage at AskAboutFlyFishing.com and use that Q&A text box to send us your questions. Receive your question immediately, and we'll try to answer as many of them as possible on the show tonight. Okay, Sandra Day O'Connor. Who, who doesn't know who that person is? Huh? Um, so, oh, yes, so. the first woman appointed to the Supreme Court, and, and an outstanding person, just a wonderful a lady in every sense of the word. Yeah, and she I was really surprised her, about her background, um, what a grounded background she had. Uh, why don't you talk about that a bit? Uh, yes, she was. She grew up on a cattle ranch on the border between New Mexico and Arizona where there was no chance or any hope of fly fishing because there was so very little water there. Uh, and she had to work hard on that ranch, which her father and mother owned. And eventually... Worked, were also worked hard in school, took her to Stanford University Law School, um, where she graduated summa cum laude, and yet she lived in the time where women were considered to be extraneous in the legal world. She could not get on at any any good law firm. So she took a job in California as an assistant district attorney and uh, worked hard and over the years worked worked her way up, met her husband who was also an attorney and um, eventually became famous enough and became a Supreme Court Justice and one of our best, I think. Very thoughtful woman she loves fishing in Montana especially. But because of her public life, she felt she couldn't talk about specific places where she fishes because of the security concerns. 
Mm. Yeah. So, but she had she did talk about some of the places she fished outside the country, which include New Zealand, mm -hmm. and she uh, was encouraged to learn fly fishing by her husband, and they they were great pals together, fly fishing here and there around the world. Unfortunately, until he got early Alzheimer's disease, and and then she was on her own, and she was, was I think, a very courageous woman for going on on her own and doing doing her thing by herself and doing good for the country. And she, um, yeah, she said uh, you wrote that she one of her first experiences was in New Zealand. What a what a hard place to to start to learn how to fly fish, huh? Uh, as far as uh, catching anything. <laughs> oh, I guess so, yes. I know so many of us read those stories from Field Stream and Outdoor Life when we were kids about Ted Williams and Joe Brooks going to New Zealand, and some of those were some of the things that started to get us excited about fly fishing, myself especially. But, uh, yeah, I understand. It's, I, although I haven't fished there myself, it's also on my bucket list, and they have very big trout that are very spooky. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I read here, too, that she was uh, one of her favorite places is Alaska, um, just like uh, Larry Zonka. Uh, well, just like it is for a lot of us, a uh, great place to fish. Um, um, so what is her favorite fish? Is, uh, is trout? trout? Trout fishing is her favorite thing to do, yes. Okay. And that's, that's the link to Montana, where she loves loves to fish best of all, and uh, she has some interest in learning saltwater fly fishing, uh, but I don't, I don't think she's followed it up yet. Yeah, yeah. How did you find out about her? How did you get a hold of her? Yeah, that, that took a couple of different stages. Uh, I found out about her because she, I had an interest in her life and learned that she was a fly fisher mm -hmm. and then contacted the Supreme Court. That was the only way to contact her. Contacted her through the Supreme Court and uh, sent a formal request email for an interview and I was happy that she accepted and and spent quite a quite a bit of time talking to me. I didn't have to go through too many layers with her, just just those two, an assistant mm -hmm. and another person, and then for her to give the okay and to name the time. And again, for uh, privacy and security purposes, she preferred to call me rather than to give me a telephone number where I would call her. Mm -hmm. That's perfectly understandable. Yeah, 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 well, yeah, there's a lot of crazies out there who know that's what they're going to do, so, um, but I'm, I'm sure in all these cases, part of that contacting was the word fly fishing, <laughs> you know? Exactly right, yeah. If you wanted to interview her about politics or legal matters, then you probably would have, you know. Uh, I wouldn't have had a chance. Here. No. Yeah. yeah. No. But, but when it's fly fishing, and I think it surprises some people because they consider it mm, 
not among their great accomplishments, maybe. Mm -hmm. The fact that somebody is interested in learning about how they fly fish and why is very interesting to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very cool, very cool. And she has been to some faraway places on her own. She went to went to Mongolia to fish for timon. So, oh wow, the trip we'd all like to make if we win the lottery, I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it looks like well, you also wrote she got the Medal of Freedom uh, from uh, highest civilian award from uh, President Obama. So yes, she did. I, I tried to send most of my uh, interview subjects copies of of the book. She wrote me a very, very nice note uh, thanking me for giving her the uh, space to talk about her fly fishing. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. Very cool. It's a, it's a true love for her like it is with many of us, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, let's talk about somebody we all know. Uh, for sure, too, besides Sandra Day O'Connor, but Dick Cheney. Um, I would have never figured, but uh, he is a Wyoming boy, so to speak, right? So um, why not fly fishing? Um, yes, he is. He he was born in the Midwest, but uh, grew up in Wyoming, and he is a man of the Rocky Mountains. Uh, I found him very kind and very caring about fly fishing. Uh, from the, He talked about from the time he really learned it, which was when he was in high school going up into the uh, Bighorn Mountains to fish the Powder River with some football buddies of his, and all the way down through the years. In his many jobs in government, he always made time for fly fishing and sometimes tacked on an extra day or two if he was traveling on an official trip to fish, for example, down down in uh, Patagonia or Tierra del Fuego, down in southern South America. And he loves fishing for steelhead and salmon, best of all, especially the steelhead. And he was very humble, partly, I think, because when I spoke to him, it was only a year or so since he had had a heart transplant, and he had been at death's door before that. He was very, very grateful and uh, religious about it and very thankful to get a new heart and get a second chance and vowed not to waste any time and do as much traveling and fly fishing as he could. As far as I know, he has. And this was uh, after he was uh, vice president? He after he was vice president, president, yes. He he was retired there in uh, Jackson Hole. That's where his home is. And he had to have a, a machine, actually. His heart was so bad, had to have an, a machine he was hooked up to to assist his heart just to stay alive for month upon month upon month. And he got on the donor the, the uh, list and able to get a new heart and that's very grateful yeah yeah it sounds that from your writing it sounds like wow a whole new lease on life after that and now oh absolutely he's going back going back to the uh british columbia and fish hard for steelhead again and 
fish for trout. He's on the, I believe, the Snake River out there where he lives. Yeah. Fishes there a lot, and he goes over and fishes the Bighorn in eastern Wyoming, uh, eastern Montana. So uh, yeah, is, I see fishing the Bighorn quite a bit with his friends, and uh, yeah, it's all just around the corner from where he lives. So yeah, yeah, and uh, I know the media image of him was this hard-nosed infighter. Politician, but I didn't. I didn't get the sense of any of that, and we never, never even got close to politics. Yeah. Talk about fly fishing. So. Right. Right. Now, did he uh, do other kinds of saltwater fly fishing, and uh, primarily trout and steelhead? Or? No, mainly trout and steelhead, and uh, salmon. He loves salmon. Yeah. And as I said, even when he was in office, whatever government job he had, he made sure to find time to go fly fishing. In fact, after 9-11, lots of times when he was in a supposedly secure, undisclosed location, he was fly fishing somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, that was <laughs> secure and undisclosed. <laughs> yeah, a lot of places river. in the wilderness where no yeah. bears would ever show up. It wasn't uh, it wasn't he that I read about uh, about uh, before he was preparing for a um, debate? wasn't uh, Wasn't that him? Yes, yeah. yes, yes. He went he went fly fishing when he was preparing for a vice presidential debate. Rather than sit, he said, rather than sit in a room and get nervous and go over the same old questions and answers. He just went fly fishing. Yeah, that was the day before his debate, right? That's yeah. exactly right, yeah. And I, I think he made the right choice, and many other people might learn from that. Yeah, that's that, that was interesting to me. So, you know, go relax a little bit. Relax off. a little bit, and, yeah, then your focus is on casting to that trout instead of somebody going to trip me up with a tough question. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, let's um, take a quick break again here, and then we'll finish up with uh, John Hope Franklin. Um, so uh, we'll be right back, and uh, we'll do just that. Fly Fishers International needs your support. Its conservation projects at both the national and club level are addressing critical issues of importance to fly fishers. The organization provides grants to help with restoration of habitats like Wolf Creek in Idaho and Sands Creek in Upper Delaware in New York, and funds projects that collect valuable data about fish and their habitats like the peacock bass study in Miami, Florida. Fly Fishers International core values remain unchanged to serve as a strong advocate for fly fishing in all waters for all fish, to preserve and promote the arts of fly casting and fly tying, and to help ensure future generations can continue to enjoy these one-of-a-kind of experiences. These efforts won't be nearly as effective without your help. If you are not a, already a member, we invite you to join the Fly Fishers International as they work to cultivate conservation, education, and community within the sport of fly fishing. Join the Fly Fishers International today and help support their fine work. For more information, go to their website at flyfishersinternational.org. flyfishersinternational.org. You're listening to Ask About Fly Fishing Internet Radio. We're talking with Norm Ziegler about famous fly fishers. 
you'd like to ask Norm a question, just go to our homepage at askaboutflyfishing.com and use the Q&A text box to send us your question. We'll receive your question immediately, and we'll try to answer as many of them as possible on the show tonight. Okay. Um, now, this is a person who's got a heck of a background, John Hope Franklin. Uh, Norm, tell us about John Hope Franklin. Yeah, John Hope Franklin, he was one of the great men of our country while he is alive, while he was alive, and is one of the, the most notable in, in our recent history, I think. He grew up in Oklahoma. His, his dad was a lawyer, and uh, he fell in love with fishing. He went fishing with his mom. His dad worked too much, and he did the old uh, cut off a branch and fish with a worm thing and loved fishing right from the beginning. Uh, he and his mom dig up worms together to go fish with. And um, his family strongly, strongly uh, favored education. So he studied hard, worked hard in school, went to university, and uh, he actually eventually became one of our most accomplished and famous academics in the country. He had, when I interviewed him, 137 honorary degrees. Wow. Yeah. And uh, early, uh, when he was young, he studied at Cambridge University in England, and that was where he learned to fly fish. And he learned from a British guy who he didn't know was a was a lord with massive holdings, and anyway, the, this guy was a fellow was a fellow professor, and John O. Franklin was a visiting professor at Cambridge. The the uh, the guy had him up to his his estate to learn how to fly fish, and that's where he started. And he he was very humble and and talked humorously about how he messed up when learning how to, how to fly fish and thought he never would learn it until he became so enamored with the sport and, and became so good at it that it, it was his main, one of his main pastimes. His other one was raising orchids. Orchids, so yeah. This kind of not too close together, orchids and fly fishing, but they were his top two things and he was a big figure in the civil rights movement, you know, uh, planned and marched with Martin Luther King and uh, really was helped to transform this country, especially from the bad old days of Bull, Bull Connor and the unpleasant times. Yeah, he was. Uh, he participated in in the march uh, from Selma to Montgomery with uh, King, right? Yes, he did, and uh, uh, he wrote one of the most famous books about Afri African Americans called "From Slavery to Freedom," and that book has sold, let's see, three and a half million copies since he first wrote it in 1947 tells the story of, of African Americans from their arrival here as slaves up until that present time when, when he wrote the book. And 
Uh, it's still still well-read book. He, uh, when I talked with him, was more than 90 years old, and the highlight of his year was going to Montana to fish, fly fish every summer. Mm-hmm. His favorite place to fly fish was the Madison River. So uh, he always made time for that, and uh, it was it was just a big part of his life, like it is for all of us. Unfortunately, he passed away during the writing of my book, and it was a huge loss for the country. It really was. And uh, he ninety-three, me, though that's a that's a pretty long life. Ninety-three. That was a long, good life, and he was fly fishing right right up to the end. Yeah. At ninety-two, he was still fishing the Madison River. Tell us, tell the tell the story about his his. Uh, when he was in Chicago, uh, and uh, yeah, he so. was in he was in Chicago at the University of Chicago, one of the nation's great universities, of course. And he happened to be friends with a fellow professor. Uh, John O. Franklin was a history professor, and the other guy was an English professor, and his name was Norman McLean. And they lived nearby each other. They would walk together to the university, many days, chatting. Neither one knew the other one fly fished. So they never got to talk about fly fishing. There were two guys, two of the guys who, as much as anybody in the whole country, loved fly fishing, and they just never found that out about each other. (laughs) They talked about academics and books and politics, and he didn't even know that Norman, Norman McLean fly fished until the book came out, A River Runs Through It which he loved, as we all do. Yeah, 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 that's interesting. So funny that they didn't talk fly fishing. I guess, you know, in the I middle know. of Chicago, you, thought, <laughs> you know, you, you don't would have thought it would have come up at some point. Yeah, yeah. Talking about their lives, but uh, yeah, apparently didn't not. Happen. Didn't happen. No. Well, that's... uh very interesting person. Uh, I learned a lot about reading your book about him, and uh, I thought uh, he was uh, very interesting. So that's, you know, we've covered six of them out of 21, folks. You know, you want to learn more and, and more details about the people we talked about, plus all the people we didn't talk about. Um, just, you know, uh, Wade Boggs, uh, uh, Patrick Hemingway, uh, Jeff Fisher, Steve Burke from NBC, and so lots of lots of very interesting people. So pick up pick up uh, Norm's book. You can get it on Amazon. That's probably the best place, huh, Norm? Yeah, Amazon is the easiest and quickest place to get it. Uh, uh, BarnesandNoble.com also has it. Of course, I sell it in my shop. If mm-hmm. People want me to yeah. to uh, sign it for them. They can they can call me at the shop. Look, my number is on is on my website and I'll sign one and send it to them. And I think they will be fascinated by it, too, especially, like I said, by the tremendously wide variety of professions and life philosophies and political views. I mean, I think uh, Dick Cheney is uh, 
quite far away politically from Heidi Merrick, who is a fashion designer. Yeah. In his politics, in their politics, but it never comes up. And I'm sure most of us have dear friends who have politics very different from ours, and it just doesn't come up when you fly fishing together. Yeah, yeah, and that's nice. It's nice if it can happen that way. So. Yeah, that's, that's the way it should be. Yeah. Jack Oldman is another guy I talked to. He won the Pulitzer Prize last year for editorial cartooning. Oh. And boy, he's, he has a rapier wit, and his cartoons are very hard-hitting. He works for the Sacramento Bee. Jack Nicholas. Oh, I wanted to mention one other thing about Larry Zonka. I asked Larry if he played golf, and he said, uh, I kind of consider golf just a waste of good fishing time. <laughs> he said, I can't be too bothered about a little white ball and trying yeah. to get it into a hole. Yeah. And yet, one of the other guys who was in this book is Jack Nicholas, who had a lot to do with a lot of little white balls. Yeah. And he's a very, very avid fly fisherman, too. Yeah. There is... Um yeah, I kind of feel the same way about um, uh, golf. <laughs> I'm with you on that, buddy. <laughs> I'd be looking in the water hazards for bass. Yeah, exactly. That's what I look at golf courses as. <laughs> Can I fish there? <laughs> yeah, down here we have snook and tarpon in some of the ponds. Yeah, yeah. So you, go, you can go to the courses after people are in having their martinis, you know? Yeah, 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 it's... Um, yeah, well, you playing. can only do you can only do so much stuff too. You know, it's um, you know, it's just one of those things. You can't do everything, so that's kind of my excuse. You know, and don't have enough money, don't have enough time to do everything. So, oh, absolutely, sure. To say nothing of the the physical part of it, where you're both sports are using your wrists and forearms, and I'd rather save mine for flying yeah. fishing. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's wrap this up and um, uh, stick around for just a couple more minutes, folks, because we're going to give away a one-year membership to the Fly Fishers uh, International and a one-year subscription to the Fly Fishing and Tying Journal and giving away a copy of one of Norm's book. You, you know, you got your choice tonight. Famous Fly Fishers, Snook on a Fly, or Rivers of Shadow, Rivers of Sun. Um, you want to tell people about th that book just, just to kind of tease them a little bit here? Uh, yes, Rivers of Shadow, Rivers of Sun is not a fishing book in that sense of the word. It's a memoir and a travelogue of the 15 years I lived and worked in Europe and all the places I fly fished, which was from Poland to Scotland, from Denmark to Spain and Greece. And I was very, very fortunate to fish in some wonderful places, uh, which are all over the continent. Trout, trout and grayling were what what I was chasing there, and seeing uh, travel has been one of one of my life passions too. So seeing all the different countries, meeting the different peoples of all different nationalities, and it all flows together into one stream of humanity, really. And fly fishers are a sorority fraternity. I only ever found friendly and helpful fly fishers in Europe, as we find here. 
and I think it'll it'll give people a real taste of some faraway places and some insight that maybe the next time they go to the music festival in Salzburg, it's only a half an hour to the Traun River where you can catch an eight-pound trout. Nice. Yeah. Nice. It, that was a labor of love, that book. I, lo- I loved Europe. It became my second homeland. And uh, so many wonderful places to fish there with big fish, too. And yeah. a lot of people don't realize how much wild country there is left in Europe. Yeah. Yeah, I know there's uh, supposed to be a lot of good fly fishing like down in Italy, northern Italy and, and places like that, Spain. Yes, there is, and that's one place that I missed. <laughs> so I've yeah. got to make up that sometime. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, we'll be right back. We're going to give away a few of these prizes, and uh, stick with me, folks, and uh, we'll do just that. The Bristol Bay region of southwest Alaska is home to the largest runs of wild salmon on the planet and some of the best trophy rainbow trout fishing found anywhere. The double mine still remains a threat to the region, and 2 million acres of federal lands may also be at risk. The entire fly fishing industry is united in this epic conservation battle. Anglers from across the country are joining to fight. Be one of them. Visit SaveBristolBay.org. SaveBristolBay.org. And there you can learn about how you can help and get involved. Just a quick reminder to everyone, if uh, before you leave the website tonight, take a minute and give us your feedback about the show. You can find a link on our homepage in the section under tonight's show that says, What did you think of the show? Just click on that link and leave your comments, and uh, we'd really appreciate it. Uh, so now it's time to give away a few prizes. The uh, winners for our drawings are randomly selected from the show's registration database. If you didn't register for tonight's show, um, it's too late now, but make sure you do so for our next show. You don't want to miss a chance to, to get one of these great prizes we give away. If you are the lucky winner, we'll contact you after the show and provide you with the information on how to receive your, your, uh, your prize. First up, we'll be giving away a one-year membership to the Fly Fishers International. And to learn more about them, go to flyfishersinternational.org flyfishersinternational.org and check to, you know, you want to join up with them uh, regardless of whether you win tonight. So, okay, so um, let's do, fire up the computer here and let it randomly select someone. It looks like it's going to be Doug McLean, Doug McLean up in Alberta, Canada. So, uh, and uh, that's great because the internet, Fly Fishers International is international. So, uh, That'll work out well for you, Doug. Um, and uh, thanks for listening and uh, and being part of the show. Appreciate it. And now um, we'll give away one-year subscription to the Fly Fishing and Tying Journal, courtesy of AmatoBooks.com. Check them out, AmatoBooks.com. Uh, a lot of periodicals and uh, books that they publish on fly fishing, so uh, I know you'll uh, be interested in what they have to offer. Um, our winner for that is Ed, Ed Hovey, Ed Hovey in Massachusetts. So congratulations, Ed, and uh, thanks for uh, listening and being part of Ask About Fly Fishing. So congrats. Okay, let's uh, see if we can give away one of Norm's books. Notice I did get, uh, let me just see if we're, uh, okay, Um just want to make sure. Let's see, Phil said he lost audio. I hope that's not everybody. Uh, audio has returned. Good. <laughs> anyway, this um, Phil wrote in while we were talking there, and, and 
I'll, I'll throw this out there. I think it's such an interesting take. He said, there seems to be a theme among the folks you interviewed that despite their many varied accomplishments in their professional lives, fly fishing is of enduring importance to them. Do you think more good for the country would be accomplished in Washington, D.C. if politicians all took an introduction to fly fishing course in which those with experience help the novices? It just might. <laughs> it just yeah, I say amen to that, yes. <laughs> so you never know. It's worth a try. Nothing else seems to work out there. So, <laughs> you know, uh, give that one a try. Um, okay, so let's uh, uh, I'll try to make this easy. Um, you know, use that uh, box on our homepage where you can enter a um, question and, uh, and tell me where Bill Ford learn to fly fish, not a, you know, not a particular river or anything, but a general location and where he continues to love to fly fish today. Where is that? And um, you give me the right answer. Well, uh, the first one to give me the right answer, then we will um, give you one of, uh, one of uh, Norm's books. No, not Larry Zonka. I asked for a place, Phil, not a person. Uh, and uh, Phil tried again, got it right a second time. So, <laughs> okay. Uh, so he's in Northern Michigan. That's right, Phil. So good listening. Uh, Phil uh, has won a bunch of times on our show because he pays attention and takes notes, or he's got an incredible memory. So um, congratulations, Phil. Again, I'm going to ask you to send your address because I just don't keep that stuff around. And uh, and I did stick your other book in the mail the other day, so uh, you should see, be seeing that one shortly, uh, a winning from a previous show. So send that to me. I'll get it over to Norm. Now tell me uh, which book you want from Norm. Remember, it's uh, Famous Fly Fishers or uh, Look on a Fly, and um, uh, and uh, uh, I forgot to, your other Rivers book. of Shadow. Yeah, Rivers of Shadow, Rivers of Sun that uh, Norm was just uh, telling us all about. So tell us which book you want, and we'll fix you up. So congratulations, and uh, thanks for playing. Uh, Thanks, uh, Nort, for being on the show again. Uh, really appreciate it. I enjoyed still, it. Yeah. yeah, and you're still on my book bucket list. Um, I hear plane fares are real cheap going down to uh, Fort Myers area now, right now so, from Colorado. So, I may yeah, end up on your doorstep are, yet. Uh, I don't want to disappoint you, but you won't be able to do any shoveling while you're here, though. No shoveling? Oh, yeah. I'm not doing any shoveling in Colorado either. I've shoveled twice. <laughs> this whole winter, the whole winter. Oh so, no! Um, I'm you guys are going to be short again. Yeah, haven't even been skiing yet. Um, we're going to go maybe on the 16th or so, of February, hoping there's some snow. So we'll see. Anyway, thanks for being on the show. Pleasure to have you again, and um, and and I know we'll talk again soon. Thanks, Roger. You're welcome. Come sure. down here anytime. I'll help you find some snook. Okay, sounds good. Our next broadcast will be on February 14th, 7 p.m. Mountain, 9 p.m. Eastern. And on that show, I'm going to interview Nate Brumley. And our topic for the show will be Addicted to the Rise. 
Nate has never sunk a nymph or fished a streamer. His offering 50-plus years experience fishing a dry fly exclusively. If you want to learn about fishing dry flies and tying them, join us and help pick his brain. I'm sure there's going to be many secrets to be uncovered. We'd like to thank Fly Fishers International, Amato Books, Whipray Key Fishing Lodge, Watermaster, and Baja Fly Fishing Company for sponsoring our show tonight. And don't forget to visit our website at askaboutflyfishing.com and make sure you're signed up to receive our announcements so you don't miss out on any of our future broadcasts. Thanks for listening to Ask About Fly Fishing Internet Radio. We hope you enjoyed the show. That's it. Good night, everyone, and good fishing.